We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 347 of the Winning Six podcast, proudly a part of the Eurostep podcast network and the Blue Wire podcast family. I'm your host, Adam McGee, and joining me as always, a little bit bleary-eyed, I'm gonna, I gotta let people in, we're recording, you know, very early for Jordan, uh, but we've got Jordan Tresky. Jordan, how are you doing? Hello, it is noon, that's how <laughs> early it is, no. <laughs> I interrupted you taking a sip of your coffee there. Um, I caught you by surprise when I threw it to you, but I, th- I think you might be caught by surprise quite a few times. It's gonna... Let's listen and see if Jordan warms up as it goes on. Um, we are we are here to continue our Fans of the Champ series, except this time we're, we're having somebody who is not actually a fan of the Champs on. It's a little bit different. It will, it will make sense, though, as to why the person's here. First of all, they're a very good friend of ours. Um, long-time listeners may remember the days of, like, three-and-a-half-hour episodes where Jordan, Ty, and I, and this person would... I feel like the Chris Gaines episode, that might have been one. Like, when it used to really go off the rails, whether, whether there's any sort of, you know... Was it a coincidence? Who could say? But... This person took a special rooting interest for the books, in spite of not being a books fan, got to witness some real moments of books history up close this season, and is my co-host on Captured and Satellite, a movie podcast that the books championship run disrupted and will return soon. So, Andrew Snyder, hello. Welcome to Win and Six again. Hello, I'm glad to be back after many years out in the wilderness doing my own thing. Not talking about basketball, you know, I used to come in 
hijack the podcast with stories about people in the woods singing Oh Christmas Tree to strangers by accident. That's a deep cut for any of you longtime <laughs> listeners. I brought that out. And also, I think we learned what persimmons were on one episode. So, you know, I used to really bring a lot of Southern variety to the show. Uh, and this summer, I cosplayed as a Bucks fan for a little bit. And yesterday on Twitter, at David Dunn 21 I don't know if we're doing his idea. Yeah, we're good. We're, I was going to plug yeah. this anyway. Uh, he told me that I get dual citizenship. So, uh, and also, I, I somehow happened to make his end of the year video for a split second. It's like a shooting star. Blink and you'll miss it. But yeah. <laughs> to be honest, it's one of the standout moments for me. You know, it's if if you don't know who Andrew is, where he may be in David on Twenty One's epic books championship video, um, he is the crazed Southern books fan who just stares down the camera and proclaims books in six after the Eastern Conference Finals, and we will talk a whole lot more about that. Part of why um we wanted to have you on, aside from just being a friend, is we're trying to we're trying to find ways to keep this interesting to mix it up get different perspectives on this whether that's within the books fan base or outside of it and you are a charlotte hornets fan as we'll we'll get to in some more detail but with that you are a fan of a small market team you have gravitated towards the books for many reasons over the years at different points and you were very much rooting for them during this journey so i'm i am curious as to what it's like to be a small market team a fan of a small market team and to watch on with this and be like okay well it is possible it may be unlikely but it is possible so let's start with why andrew why 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 are you here how does all this happen for people who don't know why do you have an interest in the books so well i'll take you back to to the beginning briefly and just how weird my relationship with NBA fandom is just because of being a small market team. When it comes to all my other fandoms, big Atlanta Braves fan, Carolina Panthers, uh, Carolina Hurricanes, they all, at least even the ones that are in small markets, give me the illusion that I could someday win something meaningful. I watched the Panthers lose two Super Bowls. Uh, the Braves have made Super Bowl or World Series in my lifetime, won a World Series in my lifetime. The, pa- uh, the Canes have won one, Carolina Hurricanes, when I was uh, 14. But with with the Charlotte Hornets Bobcats, that's never felt possible, probably because of the structure of the NBA and the idea that you need to either luck into drafting a superstar into your market or you need to get lucky and trade for one because uh, it's only the big markets that draw in the superstar free agents to their team. It's only the big markets like a, like a Miami that gets LeBron D. Wade and Chris Bosh to form a super team or LA with LeBron and Davis. And that's that's just not something I've ever felt was possible. Well, I mean, my, my fandom with the NBA, as I was on David Dunn 21's uh, Michael Jordan Last Dance podcast, I was trying to remember my for- first sports memory, and that was the 1998 um, Last Dance Finals. And I, where I lived at the time, and I'm, I still live in the Triangle in North Carolina, about two hours from Charlotte, we, we didn't get Hornets games because of whatever... Um, cable package my family had we, we just didn't watch them i followed them on sports center and i read about them in the paper i followed the nba more broadly but i knew we were hornets fans because you know we live in north carolina dad says we're hornets fans but i only get get to see these 
like first round playoff exits and read about their games in in the paper. So I I had a more broad NBA fandom that was rooted in being a fan of a team I could rarely see. And then the Charlotte Bobcats after uh, I guess it was a two season uh, hiatus after the Hornets moved to New Orleans and then would eventually become the Pelicans. Obviously, the Bobcats had a deal with Time Warner Cable. They played in Time Warner Cable Eleven Channel Fourteen Carolina, and I got to watch every Bobcats game. And that's when I became like all in on. Yes, this is my team. They represent my state. I'm a North Carolinian. I'm a Charlotte Bobcats fan. Think about how sad that is. Think about how sad it is <laughs> that like when NBA fandom goes beyond a broad view of the league where you'll fall in love with individual players. Like, you know, t- today's generation, they become like LeBron fans or maybe I'm a Trey Young fan. I'm a, a Zion fan. I had that in the beginning, and then from 2004 on, it was, I'm a Charlotte Bobcats, and now I'm a Charlotte Hornets guy, and I just never believe, to this day, and till possibly this most, uh, the draft before the most recent season, and these finals, always believe that, but then... Getting to know you guys, obviously, Adam, you and I met because I slid into your DMs and asked you how to run a uh, a fan site, and then I ended up blogging at Hoops Abbott, Soaring Down South, uh, Swarm and Sing, tons of tons of sites talking about basketball. I kind of the kind of area on Twitter that I became a lurker in and sometimes participant in was really the Bucks Twitter because I liked you guys. I thought you guys brought fun, smart, insightful takes. To, to Bucks basketball. So I kind of from afar really just became invested in the happiness of Bucks Twitter as the Bucks ascent started. And Milwaukee represents the the hope that everyone in a small market has but never truly believes in. You draft Giannis, you watch him become a star, you watch these uh pieces around him become the perfect compliments a Chris Middleton, a, a Drew Holiday, a Pat Connaughton, as I yelled at a camera uh, in Atlanta. <laughs> and so to the long-winded way of answering your question is why the Bucks? It's because just getting to see a snippet of this fan base and the passion, but also like the, the heartbreak and then the hope develop over the last few years, it's like this is something I could see eventually happening in Charlotte if LaMelo becomes what we all hope he can be. So it's just like I'm I'm overlooking the Bucks have so much happiness and success, and then I'm also I'm happy for you guys and because you deserve it. And also I'm like, that could be me one day. You are the first person we've had on in this series. Like, it's been all Bucks fans. You're the first person we could bring outside of the Bucks. I don't think there's many fans of other teams we could bring on who would have a sadder story as to their kind of fandom than you being like, yeah, the Charlotte Bobcats was what I really got to, got to support my team and identify with the team. So that's fun to begin with. You, you forgot to mention there that I did kind of at one point persuade you, force you, I don't know which into contributing to behind the book pass. So you did um, have a brief sojourn writing about the books, which probably embedded you further in that. I'm looking here in the archives, Andrea's back in 2015. Is this the season Michael Carter Williams breaks out? This is the kind of the kind of hard hitting stuff you were coming from. Um, <laughs> slow and steady wins the race for Jabari Parker. Looking at the Moose signing, should they trade for Karan Butler, close personal friend of Jordan? Um, <laughs> does Chris Middleton have an All Star case? So 
some of your credentials, you are kind of steeped in the the journey and even some of the. You actually you dropped in for the part where it seemed like things were on the up, and then the floor fell out again, and it was really grim, even though it shouldn't be. So you were there for some of the Jason Kidd time. We'll get into a lot of that, um, just on some of the general, the general elements you've talked about there. I think the the big thing with the books for other small market teams. I don't know. We'll see if you agree with this. It might be relevant to how the Hornets have been for quite a while, to how the Bobcats have been. Like you look at okay, to be a small market team like that, you need to hit the jackpot. You need to find the Giannis or pull off a trade and somehow convince someone who would never have signed for you as a free agent that that's actually the best place for him to be or they want to stay. The thing with Giannis is, I think if I was a fan of another team, I'd look at it and I'd be like, you know what the best part of this is? You don't even need to be a competent organization in the first place to hit on the player. You can you can become competent-ish later when you've got the player. That's important. You definitely need to do that. But... I don't know. I go to you first, Jordan. I'm gonna make you talk just to make sure you stay awake here. <laughs> that is that's the part of the honest journey that's kind of now. I know it's overlooked. It's it's not important in the national story, but it's like John Hammond. For all we've talked about him being this this great visionary who uh, drafted Giannis. You know, he made a lot of terrible picks around that time. There was even more really bad contracts given out. The books were not competent at the time, and they yet still managed to find a savior. Yeah, I mean, it's also interesting to have Andrew on because we're seeing like the sliding doors of a Michael Jordan-owned team. And back sure. in the day, could have been the books. There was rumors that yeah, he could have bought the bucks from Herb Cole. Um, but no, I, I think it's because how many times? Like, I mean, obviously Hornets had. Kimba Walker and he, you know, was this beacon of light uh for what eight years, nine seasons, something like that. Um DeMarcus Cousins like quickly comes to mind. Like these guys that like stand out among the wreckage of these kind of uh woebegone losers that the Bucks once wow. <laughs> What? Thanks I want just... Andrew. <laughs> No, I don't mean I don't mean it like that, but that's how the Bucks like of that time. These especially... basket case franchises. That's actually on my business card, so go on. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like to your point, Adam, there is it's like something like you kind of I don't know, you get the the prized superstar that you wanted and you never thought you would get, and then you kind of figure it all out later. I mean, the steps to it have been long and arduous for the Bucks. that um, we kind of, you know, I guess it's taking the bird's eye view with it all. It, it's, it feels better than actually in the moment, if that makes sense. I'll, I'll put it back to you, Andrew, because it, I think, and kind of where I was going with that is, okay, so Lamelo is there now, and there is yeah. a great hope. I don't know if there is a hope on a Giannis level, that seems a step maybe too far, but we all know how hard it is just to get one like, oh, that guy's an all-star, you know, to get one of them on your team when you're a small market team when you're not in the glamour market. So Lamelo is there. The Hornets right now, mm-hmm. again, they kind of fit that bill of, I wouldn't say they're the most competent organization in the NBA. I think there's maybe some progress 
compared to some previous kind of GMs who've been there and some of the decision making that's gone on. But you're actually you're kind of starting to approach the point where you dropped in on the books when you wrote about them and you first kind of came to watch in. That's where you're coming to with Lamello. Like it's kind of equivalent to 2015, 16 books, that kind of Yeah, range. you got a Plumley. You've got a Plumley. Another Plumley that I forgot they had Miles at one point. They did, uh, yeah. That's kind of you're coming to a crucial juncture where I guess what I'm thinking of is it's like peak panic stations. It's like if things don't go well, people start to panic. People start to get extra angsty. And then maybe every little bit of success is blown out to be something bigger because it needs to be. Everyone wants it to be because the stakes are there. How are you prepared for that? Do you remember any of that either from writing with the books or like that Greg Monroe season? That's kind of the next step of your journey and on a journey to a championship, um, which no journey to a championship is the same. That's kind of the diciest point. That's the point that's going to decide whether it ultimately kind of, it's whether you can kind of come through that eventually either kick on at that moment, or even if there's a setback, steady the ship and go from there. Or if it's the thing that will kind of bring it all down. And for the Hornets, slash bobcats over the years it feels like when they've got to those junctures in the past things generally go south yeah i'd say we're pre pre panic uh we're at the point where we've seen flashes of what this young player can be we think he can be a franchise player for the charlotte hornets arguably already is just because of his marketability and his popularity now what that translates to this season on the court remains to be seen especially with how the rest of the role players tie in around him because towards the end of the season he had the injured wrist gordon hayward went down and missed the play-in and they got absolutely uh just blown out by the indiana pacers so i think we're pre-pre-panic what what we need to see this season from them is just that next level of competency and that might only mean making the play on play in again and being competitive because i think we have so lo- such low expectations here i mean at least the bucks had history at least you have the title uh in the 70s with kareem abzul <laughs> jabbar and and that team i mean at least you have that we got nothing i'm i'm on the basketball reference page right here so as i mentioned the the pre andrew being able to watch charlotte Every night on TV, we've got three straight playoffs to end the the uh, the, jer- the first journey in Charlotte. Lost the Eastern Conference semis, lost the Eastern Conference semis, lost first round, Eastern Conference semis, first round, first round. One of those semis. to the Bucks. I, I was going to ask you about one of those. I don't know how much you know about it, but it's. I think it's even come up on previous podcasts. Some people's favorite pre-championship memories go back to right around that time. But go on, continue. Yeah, and then in my era, I had even forgotten that I've gotten to at least watch three playoff series. Uh, 15, 16, 13, 14, 09, 10. And the first... Oh, year, the 15, first 16 is the Heat, right? Yeah. Yes, and they should have won that series. should have won. They were good. I, I remember I was kind of covering that series. I wrote about Al Jefferson during that series, I remember. And it, it was just... So it's a depressing history... It's a depressing lack of history, I should say. So really, the great hope that we have placed on LaMelo's shoulders and this core around him, I mean, there's that's why I say we're 
pre-panic because we see other pieces that we can talk ourselves into. I mean, the chemistry that LaMelo has developed with Miles Bridges last year, Bridges took his game to a whole new level. If you see something similar from P.J. Washington, James Booknight coming in, Terry Rozier has proven to be Kimball Walker light. Some people uh, have been a little iffy on the contract he just signed but my argument is the other option is then you're just worse when he leaves because you're the charlotte hornets and what exactly are you going to do in free agency or via trade that that makes you better there uh the only other argument i could have seen is the cost slash value argument with what Devonte graham signed in signed for in new orleans but that's neither here nor there uh you can I think the the ceiling Charlotte has to get to to avoid that panic stage is a little lower than the Bucks. Uh, I think they just need to become a regular playoff team, and then Lamelo can can talk himself into being the star that draws other role players into a market that they wouldn't normally go to. I don't want to end up in the or maybe I do want to end up in the territory that the Bucks were with Giannis before he signed the supermax. If if the Hornets get to the point where Whatever daily NBA show ESPN is running out at the time, they're just saying, well, where will LaMelo go? Is it possible if they don't make the conference finals, he's going to go to New York? I would love to get He wants to, to play point. with his brothers in L.A. Yeah, like that, that kind of, you know, I could already, already see that story. Yeah, wait till like the Raptors are, are signing LiAngelo and everyone's yeah. like, oh, he's going to Toronto. And this is where the small market uh, brotherhood kind of thing kicked in for me. It's like those stories, I, I would message you about them, Adam, but those stories would just piss me off because they seem to be very rarely rooted in fact. It was just the assumption that because stars do this now, because, uh, I don't know, LeBron decided friendship was more important than uh, winning championships in a city that you know you started your career in. Uh, I'm aging into this take. I don't even know if I believe it. Um, we just we just we just assume that um, players are gonna get un- unhappy and leave, and that's not always the case. Giannis seems to clearly care about Milwaukee, and that is his home now. And he wanted to win there. He did. He's uh, bought a stake in the Brewers. I mean, he's a Milwaukee guy now, and it. I don't know. Just the assumptions that people had around that. Uh, and thinking that he was just going to bolt for the next best opportunity just because they encountered a little bit of adversity. I mean, that's just clickbait media, obviously. <laughs> and that that's what it, what it was, but to see him and Bucks fans and the organization itself vindicated by winning the most important thing there is to win in the NBA. Uh, and especially after the MVP fatigue, I mean, you could have made the argument in any season he didn't win the MVP. He still was the best player in basketball, but because of the shifting narratives and the way we always have to find a new angle. And once someone has finished their rise to the top, but hasn't proven it to us by winning a title, we have to immediately start tearing them down, especially if they're, you know, not in LA or New York and not, you know, where we want to go to playoff games uh, because we don't like going to Milwaukee. Um, terrible cities you know terrible cities have to stick together you know exactly Um, so who knew i would go into this rant about milwaukee but (laughs) to tie that all together it's just like it it was so nice to see the bucks just stick it to all the narratives and like i said i can put myself in that mindset that hopefully in 10 years me and my 
my son Andrew Jr. Um, are uh, in in Spectrum Center watching confetti rain down on Lamelo and Miles Bridges. That's quite an image. You did Andrew Jr. does not yet exist. Just for people who are like, what? why is I always had him laughing at his son? That seems mean. Um, <laughs> We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I think the interesting thing that you're kind of laying at the Bobcats and then the Hornets history there is I don't know if Bucks fans quite realize just what getting to the conference finals in 2001 did for an entire generation, even though they were nowhere close from that point on. They hadn't been close for a decade. It carried people for a long time. It did. And we (laughs) talked about that a lot. And it honestly got annoying just how much that team was like put up on a pedestal. But the flip side of it is, I can remember too, my pre-Bucks days, and this is going to be the first of probably multiple mentions for the Atlanta Hawks, because the Atlanta Hawks figure into this uh, in a a very significant way. One, Andrew was there in Atlanta to see one of the Bucks' greatest moments. Two, they are a team when you couldn't get Hornets games. I know you've watched a lot of Hawks over the years, and honestly, that's probably how we first came to know each other and talk more than anything. As I was writing Hawks, you were watching a lot of Hawks. Um, but I remember like the years of the Hawks and even kind of the pre-Bud Hawks. So Joe Johnson, Josh Smith, Al Horford, and that franchise, they had won a championship, not in Atlanta. They had been good when Dominique Wilkins was there, but never quite at the level even that the books got in the 80s. So it was a big deal to, one, you get to the playoffs, and two, win a series. Like, win a series became a big deal for the Bucks because they had one of the longest droughts in professional sports. But it wasn't something that people believed to be, like, impossible. Like, the idea of getting to a second round, what it was something like they have to win a round, but then, you know, they have to be building towards that. I don't know if everyone kind of fully realized that in the moment, but that is a difference to, as you say, where it's like, just step by step like just get to the playoffs maybe make a little bit of noise in the playoffs be a relevant team i guess is part of it where for books fans even when the team was completely irrelevant based on you know the way they played and the fact that they were really really bad there was still this recent enough very very brief fleeting memory that had them be like oh no well if this clicks into place like we can be a conference finals we can be a team that you know, we spend 20 years complaining about the officiating of that series and how 
David Stern cheated us out of getting to the finals because we're the small market Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, I think that's it's kind of not insignificant when you think of small market teams the way that works. I don't know too. I don't know if that was healthier or more unhealthy for the books as an organization for books fans. I don't know. Do you think Jordan? Cause it's like, it was healthy for what that, that year. No, I mean, just generally, if you think of the last five, six years and the signs that something good is building, the fact that there is even younger generation of fans, they have very, very brief again. Let me stress that very, very brief memory of the team like getting close getting close and then just like blowing up in its own face never to get close well for another 20 years i don't know what that does as in i think that brings the noise up when you have like the jason kidd era and you have the sense of we finally got something again we could get back to there which most of us remember and we're wasting it because 71 is great but that's an entirely different thing too because the number of people who are like, well, I remember the books being champions, or even I remember them year in, year out being second round at worst. That's a different thing to the effect, I guess, 2001 has, which is, there's just enough of a memory being like, hey, it's possible. It's possible. A couple of draft picks, and you never know. It's also, like, I don't know, it's it's interesting because during the kid era and the you know the the kind of the first round exits you know continued the drought of winning a playoff series uh went into the 2018-19 season like they both like made up for lost time that they had spent you know trying to scratch or get above the surface and then it was like oh we might be going to the finals (laughs) like it like accelerated what kind of the expectations were at that season and then expectations move again when you have the best record for the second straight year. Um, and then obviously a lot of stuff with the bubble and just how weird that was, but like to your point of, I don't know, like it's weird because now I think how people view, like if the eighties bucks were transported into now uh, like today's NBA, they would kind of be looked at as the, you know, Phoenix Sun, D'Antoni Phoenix Suns, or even like the Raptors before Kawhi, like these teams that like, and I don't think, I don't think people would celebrate them. I think people would kind of vilify them. for oh, like, they'd, oh, they'd look. ultimately be the Chokers. Yeah, exactly. Which is, it's, I mean, it's a results business. It's, it's what you do and all that stuff, but it's, it makes for a weird I, it's just weird because it's like ultimately not everybody only one team is going to win a, a title it is such it's you know as we're experiencing now it's this <laughs> crazy one in a million shot that everything falls into place that you can overcome playoff adversity and you know you finally get to the to the dance the, as Andrew's talking about you know there's teams that have never even really experienced anything like going to the playoffs or winning a playoff series consistently year after year or or doing all that stuff that I think now where it's like there's the rebuilding teams or the teams that constantly like they shoot for the moon, but they, you know, expectations fall flat on their face. And then there's kind of the upper crust tier of like 
probably like the Indiana Pacers, like always, where they mm-hmm. always want to be competitive, but they don't have the the Giannis like figure to kind of carry them to greatness or anything like that. Where it's like that in itself is still like something to shoot for, but it's I know it's not what all teams ultimately want, but it's still like it's a nice. It's a, it's still something nice, ultimately. Then, rather than just trying to find something that you know you've been searching for for years or whatever. One we thing mentioned. That, sorry, go on, Andrew. One thing that I would ask Bucks fans because this is the way it's it seems to me, but I have this outside looking in perspective. I know probably for Bucks fans the most painful loss. I know for you, Adam, due to your disdain for this franchise, that Raptor <laughs> that Raptor series. I think was, that's the universal answer though. Was brutal. Um, from the outside looking in, though, there I think the b- biggest moment of concern that I had for the franchise and what was happening with Giannis and if they'd ever get there was the bubble. Sure. Because it's just like that's almost when I mean you could talk yourself into from a narrative perspective, other fans, not that opinion matters, that you know, Toronto team of destiny came out and just played their asses off. They were a really tough team. They had Kawhi probably the best he'll ever be, honestly. I think he's yeah. probably on his downhill slide now. Sorry, Clippers fans. Uh, I know he's not going to play this season, but nevertheless. Um, yeah, I don't know if anyone knows anything, so you might Oh, that's a, gr- that's a that's that's a a great point. Um, <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to get on my phone later, see what I can find out, and I'll report back. Uh, and then, you know, Talk they, to Ari Abraham. Yeah, oh I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tap into my vast network. Uh, <laughs> then they upset the Warriors. So okay, team of destiny. That's some Jeremy Lin context still, right? Let's not even get into that. Um, uh, team of destiny type stuff. That's is what the big point is. And then it's just a gut punch in the bubble, and they lose to a fraudulent Heat team. Uh, yeah. And and I don't know. At that point, it's just like, I'm like, are they? Are they ever going to do this with the honest? And then the triumphant moment of doing it, and especially just, I mean, how amazing some of the moments mm-hmm. were during that stretch. I wonder, I'd put this out to Bucks fans, if anyone's in your mentions or your Discord being like, why was this guy on? Answer my question. Uh, <laughs> was this moment of triumph that much sweeter because of... Uh, of what you had to go through at funerals. I like to tell people <laughs> this, is a, this is a great first sentence. Uh, you know, as, as we're celebrating life of someone, it's like the, you know, the only reason any of this matters is because one day it ends. So cherish the moments you have with the, the people around you while you've got them in your life. And I feel the same way about sports. The only reason the success matters, the only reason, you know, the championships matters because like Jordan said, one team does it. And most of the time you lose. And most of the time it's a kick in the gut. Mm. I think that's a weird reckoning Bucks fans are having at the moment too because they know all of the years of being terrible and they know that that will come again and that this is a cyclical thing. Like there's no guarantee that it's going to cycle around to you at this kind of high point. But there is this thing of being like, oh, we're on top of the world. You know, it's this is as good as it gets. This is what it's all about. This is why you watch any given season. Most seasons, you know, you're not going to get close to this, but it's still why you watch. Yeah, sure. Uh, it's still what you tune in, though. With any team, if you're a fan of a team, you're watching, even in a year where they're not very good, you're watching to see if they're going to win a championship. You're just, you know, you're not watching to see if they'll win a championship in that given year in those cases, right? It's it's kind of being put further down. But I, I think 
I think you were right in both what you said because I think the most concerning loss was absolutely to the Heat in the bubble. Although there was so much other stuff that it was just it was always really hard to figure out what was real and what was not real from that, given everything. It still is, to be honest. It, it we don't know. Like, yeah. is is this year a complete fluke, and next year they'll look like the bubble team again? I I honestly I don't think so, but I don't know for sure. Like, just the way the bubble played out, everything that that team went through, and um, from their their strike, like just before that, it was it was weird. Everything about that was weird, and we don't really know what of it was real. The year before, though, for as much as you may be able to rationalize it and be like the Raptors, you know, this it all just comes together and Kawhi's having no, the books were there. Like they were right there. That that is that is brutal, particularly because we've all been of the mindset and it was even more than this year it comes back because it felt like I've kind of got a second bite at this apple, you know? It's, you're not supposed to. It felt like it felt like that was the chance a couple of years ago. It was the chance that if you go through the past 30 years of the franchise, it's like you might get two opportunities. And they had got one of their opportunities and they put themselves exactly like on the verge of taking it. Couldn't have been going better. And then they just fell flat on their face. So that was the thing even still. It, I think it's come up in every episode and everyone talks about it. And it's still like... I shouldn't care now, but I do because it's still, I could remember just how that felt. So I don't know. I don't want to speak for all book fans. You could weigh in too, Jordan, but I, I still think Toronto is is the most painful one because it was also, it was also the first year under Bud and the team takes off. Like I was going to say, it looked like something completely different. When Andrew said Team of Destiny, it was like, it kind of felt that way for the Bucks in that, I mean, you can sure. make the same argument because it was like, there was all the the you know uh, misguided hope or things that were holding the Bucks back. Some very obvious. Some you know. <laughs> hey, under... let's not throw Joe Prunty under the bus. No, I will not. Playoff Prunty forever. But uh, it's yeah. It just felt again. I I think and it was to the point of it was eighteen years that they didn't win a playoff series, and it was yeah. you're going through this dessert, or I was about to say dessert. Desert. Definitely wasn't dessert. <laughs> uh, it's 2.30 in the afternoon. And I'm, uh, anyway. Um, and it just felt, you know, like all the cards aligned to the point where it's like going, they were worse to first, but like something that wasn't even possible or that they couldn't achieve to like the final, they're going to go to the finals? Like what? <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. And have that like dashed away it's still gonna be the the manner of it too it's like that i mean this i'm sure Suns fans right now are feeling the same way where it's like they go up 2-0 in the finals and everything's looking peachy and you know <laughs> you got one Giannis block on deandre in and uh, a value you know a couple games later and then it's like oh the, the rug was pulled out from them and it's like what how do you like recover from that and it's not like there's like this you know, you're not losing a, a you know a player of like magnitude. I know they had injuries at that time, but like it was the same thing for the Bucks that year. Outside of Malcolm Brogdon, it was it they were still like punching above their not above their weight, but like they were overcoming their their uh, injury losses or whatever to the point that it felt possible that they could do it, and then they didn't. But yeah. 
there, there's also there is a key thing I think when you and even now when they get there like there's there's the thing of okay the moment Bud and Giannis shared when they win the championship they both talked about and like their first words to each other is now let's do it again next year and that is psychotic it's crazy <laughs> but honestly the season's getting closer now and I'm starting to feel that like we're still we're still talking about this we're going to continue to we enjoy it we'll bask in it but I do kind of I'm starting to get the feeling of like okay well if they're not going to end the NBA as Jordan had hoped and has predicted many times they were just going to I don't know what you're talking about this is (laughs) this is different to me but if they're not going to do that if the NBA is going to come back it's like yeah might as well win it again because um Jordan and I as we have we have mentioned at various places we are currently working on a big project uh, about books history and about some some other stuff. And one of the things that with the books, but also with other teams, I think that we're finding a lot of is you find these really great teams, like great teams, great players, year to year, right there. And fantastic. They get over the line. They win one, as the books did in 71. But they only win one. And there's a key difference, and I think people go straight to like talking about, oh, you know, could this be the start of a dynasty? I don't care about a dynasty, but I'd like a second championship. You know, it, it would be nice to not just be the Dallas Mavericks or the 04 Pistons, you know, where you, you get a team and it's just that sudden sharp burst. And that is the thing to this day about the Raptors. It's like the books could really easily be on two. They could be on two already. And then people can start using the D word. You know, then it could be dynasty. Instead, I'm at a place where I'm like, yeah, let's let's try and get another one. Let's let's try to just get out of that one championship. But this is, I mean, what a privileged conversation we're having here. This to you, Andrew, must be alien. It is alien, but I'm on board with it. Like I said, I feel a kinship with with Bucks Nation, whatever you want to call it. So I hope you get another. And I think what's been so, I don't want to say interesting or weird and i first of all i want to say i said clickbait media earlier but i want to reiterate or not reiterate but i want to say i do fully realize the importance of journalism so i i don't <laughs> want it to make it seem like i have hot takes or conspiracy theories but you know sports talks different so i, I just want to get you you would hate when that came out of your mouth i was like andrew's gonna be andrew's gonna be thinking about what people think of him saying that yeah i have uh deep-seated anxiety but it's fine but anyway uh i you know all all of the discourse around the upcoming season is the nets are going to be healthy and they're going to be tough to overcome and the lakers and all that and the practicing in vegas oh nobody seems to be talking about (laughs) is that that because they can't practice in la what's the the current seriously i mean not to make fun of the situation the current vaccine mandate stuff is that california have a statewide thing in place right so they might be going somewhere because multiple players who knows it's like like what the nets have that sean marks talked about so mm-hmm. yeah the fun friendship team building vegas trip for the lakers could be something just as much out of necessity yeah the, bu- the bubble title wasn't a real title it was fake just yeah. want to get that out there um i don't want to hear about kevin durant shoe ever again uh <laughs> yeah. love kevin durant fantastic player um, but don't want to hear about a shoe anymore. Uh, I need the Nets to convince me that they can actually stay healthy. Not me, because who who cares about me? But just they need to convince the NBA they can stay healthy. How, I mean, offensively, we would assume Kyrie, Harden, and Durant looks amazing. We saw the way Durant can raise his level of defense in the playoffs. But 
the Bucks just won a championship, and they just beat that Nets team. And who's to say that all the pieces are going to come into place for the Nets? The burden of proof here is on the Nets beating the Bucks in a playoff series, not the Bucks beating the Nets. So, I mean, not to go off on a tangent, but I think Title Two. I mean, it's going to be a really tough journey. I think you're probably going to, you know, more about the team than I do, but I, I would assume there will be some degree of kind of just coast and steady the ship in the regular season and make make sure everyone's ready to go when it's time it last year <laughs> time so, to dig into the battle again i mean and I, that paid off i mean the I, I i remember listening on podcasts kind of how experimental bud would get with maybe the de- defensive coverages and, and that sort of thing and they were just trying things out that might come back into play during the playoffs you do another regular season of that you get a top three seed whatever you get and then all right nets Time to prove that you're worthy of beating us. I mean, I don't the, the Heat. Like I said, who can be scared of them? The Celtics are in disarray. Uh, the Sixers have players that don't even want to play for them anymore, and the it's, team it's doesn't only, want. It's only the the Nets, honestly. I mean, the only thing I'm afraid of with the Heat is the narrative. I I would just it would like kill me. I would hate for them to play the Heat to one to lose against the Heat. That's never fun. But to also lose against PJ Tucker. I just don't want. To. No, I think like, it's all like yeah, the Pat Riley thing. No, yeah. I, I like I don't. I don't even care about that now. Now, like he, well, Pat Riley's got rings. Well, so so the books. You know, I don't care about mm-hmm. Pat Riley and his heat culture putting rings on the table anymore. But it's the PJ Tucker thing. That's my greatest fear of the Heat is just the possibility that if they did play them and PJ Tucker managed to play a key role and the books lose to them and we have to live with that forever of that conversation going on forever in a way that's like. I don't know, 50 times like the Brogdon conversation, which we've had for many years since his departure even. Um, like the Hawks, maybe they could take another step. I don't know. I, I personally think they'll probably take a step back, but they're going to be there in the long run if they don't do anything stupid. They'll be a really good team. Whether they can be a great team is a different question. The Nets, for me, it is. It's going to be healthy, but it's also like this is about to be Kyrie Irving's third season in Brooklyn. It's about time he's going to blow the whole thing up. Like it's just what he does. Honestly, the guy I I I'm not I won't say too much. I always find myself being like, you know, just don't talk about this because people get really defensive. They love Kyrie, you know, he's he's just different. He he is different and there's every possibility. Have to take his mask off. I I I had heard that uh I had heard that Jose Mourinho was gonna pull a reverse Ted Lasso and come coach the nets um so that could be a good fit for you know january on so we'll see what happens good tv i mean he with the way the nets are structured he'd probably just be an assistant coach and you know you add another person to the mix of like 20 notable people with egos to add to maybe the three three of the four biggest egos in the nba um so yeah the nets continue to have something interesting obviously an amazing team with incredible players and my feelings of Kevin Durant have changed forever based on just that series. Like he is, he is unbelievable. He is just absolutely unlike any other player. And he, the sheer thought of Kevin Durant terrifies me. <laughs> I think about Kevin Durant, I get scared. If he's, I, he's incredible. If I had a team that was relevant, I would too be scared of Kevin Durant. But. Let's get this back on back on course somewhat. Not that we've been off course. We mentioned 2001 a lot. A space you... odyssey. <laughs> That's a different, <laughs> different podcast. 
Um, <laughs> do you remember? Do you remember that? Because that is probably your closest to a Charlotte team actually getting somewhere in your lifetime. Was that just because it was the gap in coverage for you that it wasn't something you really engaged with? Or do you remember them going seven games with the books in the conference semifinals? Don't remember it one bit. It's it's Great. just it's just one of those things. I mean, like, it's also because they lose. If they won, you probably know about it. Oh yeah, if they won, I would. I I assume it it would have been something more ingrained in my brain at that time. I was more of a just watch everyone else around the NBA. I'm pretty sure that was the year the Lakers won um, the first title yeah, I, of their yeah. first three peat. Um, so I was watching those series and watching like uh a lot of, i was watching a lot of pacers games back then on national tv i remember um so it's 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 just sad that my really ingrained charlotte basketball memories are like oh emeka okafor and the bobcats like i love emeka okafor i love gerald wallace primo primo brezic brevin knight these are names i know and that's sad but I, you know, I don't, I don't have like a, like a really emotional connection to like Baron Davis, and that's sad because I probably should. <laughs> the Brevin Knight was a book, I'm pretty sure. So like. was Brezich. Yeah, that's right. Brezich was too. Yeah. Um. So you look, you're talking. I, I, I'll say you're speaking to the right audience, and I will acknowledge that probably 99.9 percent of the people listening are like, "Who is Brevin Knight? He was a book." Um, they probably know him more as a Jordan, Grizzlies right. broadcaster at this point. That's true. Um, all right, let's let's cut to the chase. Let's get to the real business end of this, Andrew. So, as the books progress on their journey, as they work their way through the playoffs, I'm guessing you watched a lot of probably books nets, or you watched some of the key games because that was a big series and probably the biggest series in the playoffs at the time, right? Watched a lot of Bucks Nets. Um, I watched the first round series against the the Fraud Heat. Um, you know, I I was keeping up with things. Uh, cool. Okay. So, conference finals comes along, and conference finals for me, uh, as we talked at the time, it was like I can't believe this is the series we've got to this point. The Hawks are a team I uh, invested some of my basketball watching years into a franchise I know a lot about, still have a fondness for. Then we have the books, and this is who they're finally playing. You have this fondness for the books that we've touched on, but I guess to set the stage for this, for you know, for some people, not us, we're fully in support, but for some people may have viewed this as a heel turn that you took. Because over the years, the Atlanta Hawks were kind of your second team. Is that fair to say? On podcasts, I would refer to it as being an Atlanta Hawks admirer. But I would never throw around the word fan just sure. because of, you know, the Charlotte Hornets fandom. So when it comes to that series, what were you, what were you thinking? Obviously, the Hawks were kind of the surprise package. They get past the incredibly, I mean, you've referred to the Heat as frauds, but the incredibly fraudulent 76ers. And we get books hawks did you expect i guess as much of a series as we ultimately got um i did not so this, on league pass this year 
so I watched the Hornets most of any team I watched this year on my normal cable package. On League Pass, it was probably Hawks, Nuggets, and Bucks bringing up the next three. So I'd watched a lot of a lot of Hawks basketball, and I thought they'd have the the firepower to maybe, you know, Trey goes off. Uh, I know there were some injury concerns um, in that series for him mm-hmm. as well. I thought, you know, maybe they have a hot shooting game at home. Bucks win in five, but ultimately very easy for Milwaukee. I remember, to pull back the curtain, I remember when the series was set. You reached out to me and you said, I think I'm going to go to game six, Bucks-Hawks in Atlanta. And I was like, Andrew, that's that's very funny, but uh, it's not going to be a game six. (laughs) It's not going to be K6 free to go to. Like, it's a great idea, but I think your timing might just be off there. And then the Hawks come out to start the series, and they've got some different ideas. And then Giannis goes down, and seems like he's going to stay down. And I remember being like, well, you're going to game six. <laughs> And it was at that point that you pledged to me you were going to go in support of the Milwaukee Bucks. How did you come to this decision? Um, well, first of all, I'd had a, I was a little nervous about it at first. So I, I'd had a friend that had said, "Oh, maybe we can get you into a suite at halftime for the second half." So I was like, "Okay, maybe I just go in my Braves gear uh, that I had been wearing earlier in the day, but kind of silently root for Milwaukee because ultimately I was always wanted Milwaukee to win that series. The Hawks, you're too early." This isn't your time. This is Giannis's time. This is the Bucks' time. Um, but then I just kind of like didn't text that guy back and was like, he can see me in my Milwaukee stuff and not let me go in there, uh, and that'll be fine. So we had me and my wife and two friends had been planning to go to Braves Marlins since April. So then that game's at like four in the afternoon. The uh, basketball games at like eight thirty for. You know, got to keep the people in the West Coast happy too, so they can watch the game in reasonable time as well. National televised broadcast. I got to I got to interject for a second, just to say, for people who do not know, Andrew is Mister Sports. You might be like, oh, two games in a day. That seems like a no, no. It's just a normal day for Andrew. Andrew goes to literally every sporting event within like a fifty mile radius. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, <laughs> so, quick trip back to the hotel. Giannis jersey goes on. Uh, I had forgotten my Bucks hat, so even before the Braves game, I went to a local sporting goods store in Atlanta and bought a second Bucks hat. Um, it's it's the one with like the deer that looks like he's got some attitude. Original so, Bango, yeah, yeah, original Bango. Love it, great hat. Should have worn it for this podcast. Buried under a mountain of other hats. Uh. As I am Mr. Sports. Adam described me as a lobbyist for just sports TM the other day. Uh, Get to the uh, State Farm Arena. The Atlanta fans were uh, a little more aggressive than I typically understand. (laughs) You've been to a a lot of games at what was Phillips Arena, what is now State Farm Arena. And the, the experience was different, right? I've never experienced this with Atlanta sports fans. They're usually very happy-go-lucky, just happy to be there, always expecting a loss. There was uh, there were comments about being in a Bucks jersey, but 
I was undeterred. My wife is like, what has this idiot gotten me into for the umpteenth time in our lives at a sporting event? We're meandering around. I get to meet at David Dunn 21 in person. We have a great 30 minute conversation on the concourse. You know, we've, we've been Twitter pals for a while now through, through you guys and his support of our other podcast. And as we're talking, this other Bucks fan and his wife comes up to us and seeks out a community of Bucks fans to really seek refuge from the, the hostile Atlanta crowd. Now, in actuality, most of the Atlanta crowd was fine, but I did get some, some angry moments. Um, well, from the some number people. is because that, that, I know that's something David on 21 has told us and has talked to it too, is numbers were very, very small of people who were visibly representing the books in the building, as you'd expect. I mean, it's game six of the conference finals, but I, I, would love to know what kind of number there were supporting the books in the building that night, but it feels like it was very, very small. Well, th- yeah, that's definitely true because every time another Bucks fan saw someone else in Bucks gear, it was like head nod, handshake during a you know fist bump, <laughs> pandemic elbow, whatever it may be, and it's like, oh, I'm seeing someone uh, that I can relate to. We're in this together, and I, once again, like whenever I would dabble in interacting with people on. Twitter, uh, some of the people you've had on previous episodes that were wonderful. Um, it they were very welcoming to me cosplaying as a Bucks fan uh, for the day, <laughs> and then I just really got into it. Like, yeah, I, I was gonna say cosplaying up to a point, and then because you were sending me messages, the spirit took game, you over. <laughs> the spirit really took you over. I I even I remember you sent me a great video afterwards of you getting back to the hotel and you having your lovely wife just basically verify your accounts of some of the encounters you were getting into with hawks fans as you enjoy this it is part of this too like because when you get there then you're in the moment and this is as it takes off and the books are getting to a conference finals like does this tap back into what we talked about the first which is you're you're a charlotte hornets fan you're being a charlotte bobcats fan and you've never got close to this you've never had a taste for it and here you are in a building wearing a jersey and that team is closing in on the finals Oh yeah, cosplaying may be as close as I get in that moment, and I think the 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 mind, body, and spirit just recognizes that. Also, I had been drinking <laughs> since three p.m., uh, like just pounding. That's what I meant by spirit. I meant the alcohol spirits. Spirits, yes, exactly. Um, there were like I, you know, as as you can see. So as you can see in the video that you may have seen of me talking. Well, you know, we'll, we'll get to I'm that. We'll talk to, to that. my imaginary producer off. Off, uh, off air, off. I was gonna say screen, but no one's seen this on screen. And I'm, I'm just gonna say, roll the tape. <laughs> How cool is this for you? Because I know none of y'all were around in 1974, the last time the Bucks went. <laughs> Very cool. Bucks and four. Bucks, Bucks and four for the Suns. Oh no. Okay, we're already making finals prediction. What do you guys think about being here? Listen, when Giannis went down, I was discouraged. I was discouraged, but Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, Brooke Lopez, Bobby Portis, Pat Connaughton. This team is a team in the truest sense. I knew they were going to come through. Bucks in six is all you got to say. Bucks in six. All right, so the tape the tape is rolled. Uh, but we'll, yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. because uh, So there were short lines at State Farm Arena. I was able to get refilled very quickly. Short bathroom lines, you know recharge the chicken wings i bought for dinner were very small they weren't absorbing much alcohol so i was able to stay at a good level 
the whole time. Like I was not off my game one bit. Um, and also the the section we were in, I bought the cheapest tickets I could get, and you know, it was a great view. But we were at the very top of a section. There was almost like a table in front of us, and our backs were to the concourse. So people that had bought standing room only tickets would crowd around the back of us uh, to watch. And then anytime one of us would go to the concessions or the back the bathroom, they would think the seat that we had paid for to my right was just an open seat for anyone to sit down. So I'm having to like correct Hawks fans all night get out of the seat and you know i love hawks fans i i rode for soaring down south for a while hawks admirer still ish i i i like trey young when he's not you know out there hunting well, for pals but you were, in the you were getting into it i was getting i was getting into it so the i'm gonna not act this out because this is not a video pod uh in Anytime act it out if you want people will hear the performance anytime the bucks would do something big i would just kind of stand up back out of my chair into the people behind me as just a means of saying get away from me this is not your section these are my paid for seats and uh the bucks are about to beat you and i just want you to know that right now and so you know there were some unhappy glares the real yelling didn't come until uh walking to you know find a place to uber back to the northern part of Atlanta, uh, closer to the Brave Stadium where our hotel was, and people well, were just by the time you were doing that, Andrew. Some other things that happened. Yes, uh, so Bucks Bucks win, headed to the finals. I think my biggest takeaway from that game was how impressive it was to watch Drew Holiday play defense in person. Is what I mentioned to you, Adam, and you know mm-hmm. Chris Middleton having having some moments there. That was great. And as I'm heading out of the arena, there's a uh, a reporter and a cameraman and the cameraman just points at me and goes you here <laughs> and pulls me into an, another group of people wearing bucks gear and we they wait for a few minutes they're getting everything together and then they just proceed to go down the line interviewing us about what this experience meant and then when i had my moment i made sure to perform to the camera and give my thoughts and just reiterate that all you really need to know is bucks and six that's all you need to know. The Win in Six podcast and Brandon Jennings said it best. Bucks and Six. And I had a friend's wife tell me the other day that I, I look like a combination of Patrick Bamford and Elizabeth Holmes from Theranos. And if you watch that video, if you watch that, if you watch that video, you, 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 you get it. You get yeah, it. Yeah, that's accurate. I'm, I'm, I must admit, I'm watching it right now. I'm watching all the normal, well-adjusted, smiling, happy books fans. And this guy, he's just waiting. He's waiting for his moment to get the mic. And once he gets the mic, he's not going to give it back. And that, that man is you. And this was on TMJ4 uh, in, in Wisconsin. And I don't know. I, I would like to have been in the living rooms, maybe, of some of the people who saw it or some of the people who saw it online. And were like, what is that aggressively Southern man so into the books for? Because this is the thing, you are, you know, we used to we used to have a segment, it was Tales of the South, we had a segment with you on Win and Six, you'd come in, you'd report on Southern things, you you have a Southern accent, and you were here in Atlanta, Georgia, did that, did that not do you some favors, even with Hawks fans, when you'd open your mouth wearing your books jersey, and then they were kind of like... Um, I think, I think the jersey just did all the talking... That my voice I know couldn't. there were some people in your life who felt betrayed that you were 
you were on a book's high at this moment of sadness for Atlanta. You may not remember that, but I remember you telling me about it um, the next day. You don't remember it. I'll tell you off air. Let's, we won't go through it on air. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, it's not shocking that I don't remember it, but uh, that's also true. I proceeded to go to a baseball game uh, the next day. Uh did a little less damage to my body that day because you know i felt that i had done enough um and now i remember exactly what you're talking about adam so no need to remind me off air but yeah um you know maybe i betrayed the accent but i i think uh the spirit of you know the hornets the the spirit of small markets on them i think you were loyal to that yeah and you know atlanta you had your chance you should have beaten LeBron's Cavs, and then you would have had your finals appearance. You would have lost in the finals. That's a fact. But you know, uh, I I just I just had to embrace the online community that uh, found me and let me lurk and and just you know chime in on certain jokes, uh, be in a season-ending video. You know, it, it was all worth it, and I I think. Like you said, Adam, the Bucks will always have a, a special place in my heart next to the Hornets. The Hornets are irrelevant, so they won't be in a position where it matters. <laughs> position where it matters for a while. So when the playoffs come around, I, I'll continue bandwagoning the Bucks and hoping that you and your fan base gets the success that I can only dream of. Who's your favorite Bucks player? My favorite Bucks player is Chris Middleton. You're I, just staying true to the Carolinas. Uh, yes, and I, I mean, I feel like this is a guy who is taking some heat for for not being. Uh, I think some in some areas of of the Twitterverse, some that I respect. Um, some have already been mentioned on the podcast. Yeah, who I love deeply as an <laughs> online friend uh, and real life friend now. Uh, but I, I don't know. Something about Chris seemed to, especially in this postseason, play up to the moment, and I'm happy that he he got his moment. And I mean, Giannis is an easy answer because he's the superstar. But I I I like a lot of guys on this team. As I yelled at the camera, I mean, uh, to TMJ four. Pat Pat really kind of. I mean, Pat had some big moments in this run, but he he really run you over to get won you over to get his name in the mix there. Yeah, you know, a lot of not a lot of guys were making the rotation at that point <laughs> in That's the in, in the season. So I was I was going with what I saw. You know, I could only I could only learn visually at that moment, uh, given the state of inebriation. But uh, yeah, I'm a Chris I'm a Chris Middleton guy. I'm a Drew Holiday guy. I'm really excited to see what. Uh, Duke former villain Grayson Allen brings to the table. I live about two miles from Duke's campus, so I got to see him many times in college, and I think he's going to be a great fit on this team. As much as the fans are going to hate that they have to embrace him, I think it's going to be awesome. I I think he's going to be a really good fit. I have no problem because I don't care about college basketball, so it's like, yeah, in the grander scheme of things, like, has he done anything actually bad? No, there are, there are much worse people in the NBA, and uh, yeah, I'm fine. I'll I'll get behind it if he plays like he did last year. I think book fans will have no problem getting behind him. It'll be a really big deal. You mentioned earlier, and something that just when you said it, I'm curious of, and I remember us talking about it on post game episodes at the time. 
we we can't see this objectively, but it felt like when the finals come round and the books actually go and do the thing, they have more iconic moments than you generally get in a run like this. Like you might get one. Not every team even gets one that's just like that moment everyone's gotta remember. But Yanis's block on eight and the sun block as we now refer to the fact that we have names for these plays and they'll be like that forever. The value like they they to me in just my time watching the NBA are two like all time most memorable finals plays. And I know I'm seeing that through very, very book tinted glasses. But as a as a fan that come to playoffs you're unfortunately a neutral observer more often than not. Do you think that holds true? Like, what what's your view of the finals and how that played out for the books? I think the these two plays in particular definitely stand out more than most seasons. I mean, I'm trying to think, do some recall of iconic moments over the last few years that come to mind. It's LeBron's chase down block. Mm-hmm. It's Kyrie's three pointer, and then after that, I'm I mean Ray Allen's. Uh, three-pointer in the Spurs Heat series. But I think just the uniqueness of those two plays in particular. I guess Kawhi's um, buzzer beater against the Sixers, not in the finals, but for a a playoff run. Absolutely. Um, And that qualifies due to the unique factor as well. But I think just how interesting the plays look compared to a normal just isolation jumper or chase down Mm -hmm. block even. Because the the amount of gr- ground that Giannis covered in such a short amount of like space or time, and just how he even accomplished that block on Aiton was incredible. And then the value, first of all, the just absolute insane defensive play. Like I said, watching Drew Holiday play on ball defense is incredible. He's he's amazing. And then for him to have the audacity to throw that alley oop for Giannis to catch it and finish it while drawing the foul. I mean, it's it, it's just it was such a visually splendid play. It was very cinematic, Adam. Like as we talk about, uh, I mean, I, I would love to see the way De Palma shot it, uh, or even Terrence Malick. That would be really interesting as well. I mean, it, it was even because Giannis stares down the camera, which really he, he took a nod down, from from Andrew, but he's staring down Adele, right? And Rich Paul. Well, that was actually the position. Wasn't that what came out that was just behind that camera? I know, you might have forgotten about that, Jordan. But that is actually where he was looking. I I saw a tweet the other day that was like, I love imagining that Adele knows exactly what's going on in the Ben Simmons saga right now, and I just started cackling. Um, that's It's great. Throw it in the deep. Those two moments stand out above many in the last, what we'll call the modern, modern era of the NBA, and then uh, just Giannis dropping 50 in a uh, NBA Finals deciding game. I mean, I tweeted it at the time, and some of my friends that were rooting for the Suns being haters, uh, to his to his credit, he's from where Chris Paul grew up, so, you know, I get it. Uh, they were hating on me, but I was like, that's it's one of the most iconic Finals performances we've ever seen, and it is. He dropped 50 in a title deciding game like you can't make any argument and yeah it's just like i said from the outside looking in the the defeats that you had to go through in the bubble and then to toronto makes this finals win from the outside looking in seem that much more iconic but then when you mix in like 
we've got these moments that uh like that are going to be on posters forever and you're going to be able to point it out to your kids and your grandkids and now because of modern technology you're going to be able to show them a probably a youtube projection on your wall in your living room or or, or something like that you're just gonna have holograms throughout your house of the value <laughs> or or whatever it may be but yeah it's just i mean iconic moments in the history of the nba period and that's pretty special to me i usually ask um if our guest thinks there's anything special or unique about being a books fan well let's widen that out do you think in sports it's just it's just that bit more special to be a small market fan particularly in american sports because there is the opportunity that it breaks for you it's rare it's still maybe something that you'd ever achieve but if it does like do you, do you think it means more because of that yeah i think especially in the era of player empowerment just because it's it's so hard to get a superstar and keep a superstar in a small market now and you know i think players should have the agency to go play with and who they want so i don't have a problem with that i think that's just you know that's the name of the game and uh fans in a small market and teams in a small market might have a disadvantage there so i think it makes winning that much harder so i think it when you do win or when you are able to successfully develop a a core of players that can even get you far into the playoffs without winning i think it's pretty special in a small market i mean the nfl there's so much parity with uh, the salary cap mlb baseball is such a coin flip of a sport when you get it into small samples like the playoffs so you know you could have a, a brewers team get into the playoffs this year and could easily see them run run through the the dodgers and the, the astros or whoever they'll have to play just because of the small sample size nature of taking a 162 game sport and playing it over five games seven games and seven games uh but with the nba it's just it's just so much harder if you don't have the best players or the best player on the floor to win a title and milwaukee has the best player and has kept the best player and has filled in pieces around him that give them the quality to win a title and they've done it in milwaukee and i think that's just incredibly special and i think small market fans in Memphis watching watching Ja or New Orleans. I don't know the size of these media markets as I'm saying them, but it, I, the way I would phrase it as markets think, that we have. That both those are good. Both, yeah, markets. both are very analog to it. Yeah, the, the non-New Yorks, although they haven't had much success <laughs> uh, lately, so not sure how relevant that is. The non-LA, New York, Boston's, the areas Miami that we traditionally see win titles. I mean, seeing, I guess San Antonio was the mold of how high you can truly take something like this. So I think seeing Milwaukee potentially be the next era of that should be inspiring to any fan with a, uh, in a small market with a good young player, you can project, well, this is how high it could go. And, you know, maybe we at, le- at least have like a, something like a grit and grind Grizzlies run where you, you build this core together and you have some special playoff appearances. But if it all hits right and it all peaks at the right time, maybe you can win a title like the Bucks. And I think it, it's cool that in this era of the NBA where it's, we go into a lot of seasons and think that the title winner is a foregone conclusion, that that doesn't have to be the case anymore. Do you think the books can avoid another 50-year wait for an NBA championship? 
I think they're going to get an, at least another with Giannis. I, I, I really think they're going back to back, honestly, but uh, I, it could be just because, uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm not, I don't want to say I'm biased, but like, I tend to be a pessimistic fan about my own sports teams. So if Bucks fans are a little more tepid about those projections, I would totally understand it. Um, but after what we just watched, I think, you know, m- momentum in sports can be a fake thing <laughs> that broadcasters like to talk about, but it can also be very real as it goes to keeping with building a culture of winning. And I think r- really, honestly, Giannis is not going to let this be the end of, of the titles or at least having a shot at a title. So I would say they at least get one more during this Giannis era. Well, if you're worried about anyone asking why you were on the podcast i think you've just you know you said they're going to go back to back so no one is going to be asking those questions now so that was very very well navigated i i tip my hat to you um it was great to have you on though it was i say this is like in a weird way as if uh we don't have another podcast that we regularly do and that we don't talk all the time but it was fun (laughs) to have you on to talk nba in this setting to talk books and um to just get a a similar perspective, um, the outside perspective, but also you can you can kind of project. You're you're in a position where, from your team, you can imagine, um, even if right now it feels like kind of the stuff of beyond wildest dreams. You can still see it's like okay, well, you get to that point, it's it's something that can happen. So it was a lot of fun, and mostly we just needed to get you on so we could play the clip from your your post game six, you know, shenanigans in Atlanta, which gave me endless amusement still do when i was watching david on 21's video and you popped up big smile on my face it's like also underrated moment re-watching it is that the cameraman really oh he, he goes he goes it. into it like he as much as you are engaged with the camera the camera's like, like we're going this to close i could tell i could tell like from that crew that was actually a 45 minute shot he just said don't stop moving and we'll find it in post so that's what happened with that you i really i admired your commitment one to the bit two to your performance for tv it was i I don't know really because of um the spirits you were in i don't know how much you knew about it at the time but we all appreciated it so thank you very much for for jumping on and joining us andrew it's been a lot of fun to have you back on win six Thank you for having me. And, uh, you know, anyone that's in Charlotte for Bucks, uh, Hornets, January 8th or 10th, beer's on me. Me, right? That's your, giving me your other, your other ticket. That's you keep telling me. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, we'll see on that one. <laughs> I, I think Bucks fans would not be happy if I make my trip only to be like, I'm going to a Bucks game. I'm going to Charlotte. Um, so <laughs> I think I've kind of, I'm just obliged to get to Milwaukee first. The Mecca. <laughs> <laughs> yeah a different different mechanism is at first all right as always thanks all of you for listening um we're gonna we're gonna people really like these episodes really like these episodes um we're gonna keep we're gonna keep it rolling we're gonna work through we've got some more guests lined up um and uh, some other ideas too we'll keep it going for a while and we'll see like maybe it's something that we could hear to a little bit longer on and off not as regularly obviously the season ramps up but um, people seem to be enjoying them, so we're gonna we've a good few more to do yet. So we're gonna catch that. Any other 
win in six episodes all of your Eurostep Podcast Network content. You subs- you can subscribe to the Eurostep Podcast Network wherever you get your podcasts. You can also go and find us on YouTube. Um, Ty and Rowan are basically doing all of their pods as live video as well now. Um, we'll have Jeopardy soon. I guess I got to do the questions. I got to make them as tough as possible for Rohan. And when I have got to the point where that's the case, then we'll be good to go. Um, Oh, Substack, right, Jordan? I should Mm -hmm. put the Substack. gspn.substack.com. That's where you can make sure you get everything, including occasional articles and bulletins from the archive from Jordan and I, which is where we live right now. So until the next time, thanks again to all of you for listening. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks, Adam. And Jordan. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.